Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Crimeland. My name is Julie J. And before you start listening to this episode, I just want to thank all the people who have taken the time to leave really, really lovely reviews on iTunes. It means so much. I haven't quite worked out uh, how to reply to people yet, but I will be asking somebody under 35 how Apple works. And once I figure it out, I'll be responding to you ASAP because honestly, They've been such gorgeous reviews. Thank you so much. Quick disclaimer, my usual disclaimer as well, just to say that I don't mean any offence to anyone mentioned in this episode. This week, I'm talking to the hilarious Sophie Shanley. Yay, Sophie's back about the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. have you heard about this one before never no and you know oh so interesting it's surprising because I do um I do scour for this kind of stuff so yeah I'm dying to hear more oh it's it's a really it's a completely mad story it's a story that this story takes place in 2005 and it was a media sensation at the time in the United States it probably didn't make the headlines to the same extent, obviously, over on this side of the water. Um, but it's it's a really, really insane case. So I really think you're going to like it. I'm so excited to have you back with me, Sophie. Oh, I'm thrilled to be back. I love doing this. So the, yeah, I'm dying. The reviews be. were in and people were like, Sophie is deadly. I was like, she really, really is. We just love Sophie. So there you go. Well, we, we no, would okay. report. That's what it is. Oh, no, stop. It's all you, babes. It's all you. Okay. So I'll have to cut this love in short and just get right, just get right to it. So Natalie Holloway was an 18 year old girl in June 2005 
from Mountain Brook, Alabama, who had just graduated from high school. So the high school was also called Mountain Brook High School and was looking forward to starting college in Birmingham in the coming autumn. So she was super popular girl in school. Her nickname was Hootie. Hootie. Hootie Holloway. Yeah, which is kind of cute, isn't it? Hootie Holloway. Kind of and all cute. her friends used to call her Hootie Holloway. She was a big dancer, big into dancing and very academic. So much so that she had actually earned herself a full scholarship to college, which is kind of a big deal. Um, so she was very close to her family as well. And she, one of the reasons she picked Birmingham, aside from the fact that she was accepted on a full scholarship, was the fact that it was only an hour and a half away from her hometown. Okay. So, you know, she was just really close to her family. Loads of buddies. Did, um, um, did the family have a lot of money? It sounds like it's a pretty fancy place. Yes. And you know what? This is why I honestly, I'm going to have to start calling you psychic, Sophie, <laughs> because your intuition is so on point. Genuinely, Julie, sometimes they, I am a little bit psychic. Genuinely. Sometimes I shock myself. Because I thought you were going to say the opposite because she had a full scholarship. And also, I hate it. This is when Alabama switches off. But usually I hear Alabama and I think of Bill Clinton banging on about his trailer park. So yeah. I just instantly feel very poor. Now tell me but the of name course, of, of, is it like Brookvale or like Riverbrook? Mountain Brook. So it's always like those really yeah. strong names. Isn't now it? that yeah, about to me, fat wallets, white collars and mountains. Yeah. It's always it's always like those really strong, you know, names that kind of take their inspiration from geographical formations, it's, it's, like it's River noble. Creek. Yeah. 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 That kind of stuff. But I mean, I say I always think Alabama poverty. I mean, that's only my association with Bill Clinton. Like, obviously, there's huge, huge wealth in Alabama as well. And Natalie's family were loaded. But we, we, we will get to that, actually, because that does come, it, it kind of, I suppose, it's a bit of a factor in, in kind of what follows. Right. So before Natalie headed off to college in Birmingham, her senior class took a trip, wait for it, to Aruba. So the Caribbean island of Aruba. Aruba. This was actually, and it tells you the level of wealth in the community. This was a tradition in her high school. So it had gone back for years that the graduating class would all head off on a class trip to Aruba. Wow. So Aruba is off the coast of Venezuela and it's a part of, which I didn't realise until I started looking at this case, a part of the Kingdom of the Netherlands, believe it or not. So very dry, shy crack over in Aruba then. Very dry. Shy uh, everywhere. You know. Yeah. So, well, Dutch is, I mean, like it's fascinating to think there's this island in the Caribbean which... You know, it's the Dutch legal system is used. Uh, Dutch is the main language spoken. And obviously, you know, you know, it goes back to colonization, etc. But you do have to say to yourself, what the hell were the Dutch doing over there now off the coast of Venezuela? It's but bizarre. it's still like it's still very much a stronghold of Dutch culture. And obviously, you know, it gets a huge amount of tourism every year. And Dutch being the main language, English obviously is very widely spoken as well. So she went off to this island. Julie. And yes. Was she going over, were they puffing the herb? The whole... No, well... That's that's not a factor, is it? (laughs) No, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say puffing the herb was a factor, but what was definitely a factor for this class and for every other 
you know, American teenager that went to this island, the drinking age was only 18 in comparison to 21. So generally speaking, these class trips like were fairly rowdy. You know, they enjoyed themselves when they were over there. So, yeah. So it was a very popular destination for American tourists. And if you look up the peach pictures of Aruba, I mean, the beaches are fab. Like it looks absolutely gorgeous. Nashi's stepbrother had previously been on this trip and had a great time. So, this trip wasn't something that concerned Natalie's mother, Beth, nor her stepfather, Jug. They were quite happy sending her off for the couple of days with her mates and to have, you know, just wished her the best of times and that they'd see her when she got back. I'm seeing so, the flag already now. I'm just thinking. Yes. And that yeah. would be step family, step brother. Is what's the family situation here? Oh, well, well this, now actually I should preface that. I know you kind of automatically think, especially, you know, when you hear true crime and uh, you know, uh, stepfather, stepbrother, stepmother, etc. Like that, there's something kind of untoward, or you know, maybe a bit like sinister going on. They were super close yeah. as a family, so she was really close to her, both her step, her stepfather, her step siblings, and also her dad. So it was actually a really lovely bended family dynamic. Good, so she good. was really close to, yeah, really close to her Just whole wondering. family. Just, yeah, no, it's, but it's good to flag it. Thank you no so problem. much. So they, no, they, they, they were, they were very close as a family. Okay. So driving in her car, yeah. the morning Natalie's return flight was due back. Beth receives a call saying Nat- Natalie never showed up to her flight. So, straight away, Beth is like, something is seriously wrong because Natalie was really responsible she was really punctual. So the idea of her missing a flight home from Aruba, like she knew straight away that something was seriously, seriously wrong. Had mum been so, talking to her while on holiday in Aruba or was the coverage bad? Oh, that's a good question. They definitely had a couple of texts over the course of the weekend. I don't know how much contact there would have been. She actually went off for kind of a spa weekend with her friends that weekend because, you know, obviously... She, you know, her daughter's gone away. She took the opportunity to kind of go off and yeah. uh, to these kind of hot springs and she hung out with her own friends for the weekend. She had definitely had contact with her over the weekend, but I don't know how much there actually was because, again, like it was very much a party weekend for the kids. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what you really be on to your mom and- that much. As, as well, like mum wouldn't be going for a bit of me time if, if she was worried at all. Exactly. Well, actually, that's a brilliant point. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. But I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not a parent yet, but I can only imagine like getting a call like that is your worst nightmare. You know, you would straight away say this is because it's a huge thing to miss your flight. And she hasn't had any word from Natalie saying, oh, just to let you know, I miss my flight. So, you know, as a parent, I'm sure straight away you start to panic a little bit. Yeah, but they like nausea rising felt a bit faint it's horrible yeah and she and she'd said because obviously Beth then you know after the fact she wrote a book about this whole experience and she's been very vocal about Natalie's case she said that she took a moment she pulled over in her car and she took a moment and said okay I can't I actually don't have the time to panic now I just have to be super practical. So she rang her husband called Jug because we're in Alabama, so people are called Jug. Jug, Jug, with a J. With a J. Is there any other Jug? Well, I just thought that you were really weirdly saying Doug and I was like, 
Yeah, big deal. No, I, you know what? I do have a bit of a lisp, but it is definitely a joke. No, J U G. So she rang her husband, and luckily they they you you called it at the top. They had access to a lot of wealth, and they had friends in you know important places. So what they managed to do was they managed to charter a private flight that very night out to Aruba to find out what happened wow. to Ashley. So. Yeah, that's, that's like Bono and his friends kind of money to be able to be doing that. Yeah, so they, they were like they were super wealthy and she had a big support network. So, so much so that Beth, Jug, obviously, and some friends actually came with them. So they all flew in on a private plane that night. And one of the things that Beth said that struck her immediately was as the flight was landing, she was struck by just the vastness of the capital city itself in Aruba. She was expecting like this kind of little beach island. Yeah. They landed and what she saw was, what she kind of, you know, was met with was a very built up city, you know, very yeah. busy. It was loud. It was kind of raucous in places. And straight away she was like, I had no idea this is where my child was going for the weekend. Like she had kind of envisaged just like, you know, a really kind of laid back Caribbean paradise. And not that Aruba isn't that, but she was just really surprised to see like a proper city with all the dangers that come with a proper city. Like, not just like a little on this island village. Like, do you remember when Ibiza Uncovered came out and everyone was like, they're not going on their 60 year holiday? It's so. Shocking. Yeah. And Irish. Proper. And it, it, it was exact. Do you know what? It was exactly that. It was. It it just was very much like, whoa, okay, this actually is a little bit more, I wouldn't say threatening, but it, it's not the safe environment necessarily that you would immediately presume. In saying that, Aruba is overall a very safe island. It's just that, you know, with a lot of drinking, which is something that you would associate with like Aruba and these resorts, obviously, you know yourself, like things things do happen you know yeah. there is disorderly behavior and all that but it's, it's not just like a little a little fishing village or like it's a bit a big city like it's a like, yeah so there this scary. is it so like they have the gorgeous beaches but they also have like proper ibiza uncovered type city which as a parent it was just been informed that your child is missing is a little bit terrifying and like knowing, um, knowing that it's big as well like that it's a big sprawling metropolis mum's obviously thinking this is kind of needle in the haystack now how are we going to get our hands yeah. on her this is so big. yeah exactly so you would be you would probably start to panic a little bit more so they learned that straight away they go into detective mode they need to find out where Natalie is so they learned that Natalie was last seen at a bar called Carlos and Charlie's at about 1.30am the night before this bar was so bearing in mind she was supposed to get the flight that morning okay and they have flown in that night so they're asking around find out that she was last seen at this bar this bar was a super popular hotspot for american tourists especially obviously teenagers who were availing of like the lower drinking age the partying had been it, it you know it's it's something to know as well that the partying by her specific class had been pretty rowdy, so much so that the hotel where Natalie and her classmates had been staying had actually told the school that this would be the last senior class trip they would be entertaining because the behaviour had been so kind of rowdy, raucous. They were just, they were just drinking and partying pretty hard. So the the hotel just said no. They must have called a great offence somewhere. They must have been like... 
Shandy yeah, because this was a tradition. Like, yeah, and it was always just a drinking, partying weekend. So, you know, whether it was damage or some kind of disrespect, uh, not uh, at all pinning that on Natalie. No, and I, I wasn't saying that Natalie got involved in anything either. I'm just saying, like, as a collective, to get oh, I know, barred yeah. from somewhere, you've got to be pretty, pretty well, it's, annoying. Yeah, it's it's not in a party like, town. Yeah, but this is it. Like, as in, how do you, how do you get, you know, barred from the party in a party town? Like, it has to be pretty bad. So, yeah, they had said, look, this is enough. And that night, she had been seen talking to a teenage Dutch boy and two of his friends, and they were spotted leaving the bar together in a silver Honda. So straight away, Beth is like, this is a huge clue. Okay, we know that she's left with these boys. We're looking for a silver Honda. So she gets, she got basically got um, her hands on CCTV footage at a, lo- at a local casino. So she got this. She went to the hotel where Natalie had been staying, which was a Holiday Inn. She's on. And there was. She's great. Yeah, she is, Beth is playing a blinder here. Beth, yeah, Beth is, as a parent, I mean, she just can't be faulted from just literally hitting the ground running, like when she got off that plane. So she goes to the hotel, she says, look, my daughter is missing, like I need, you know, to find out where she is, etc. So the casino, which, so there was a casino kind of attached to the hotel and she gets CCTV footage from that casino, which shows... Um, so she gets informed initially and then obviously watches it that, that it shows. So it shows Natalie with this Dutch boy and she obviously has this in her, in her possession. And it's clear from this, it's clear from watching it and it does later come to light that this Dutch boy had met Natalie and her friends at the casino and that they had basically said, oh, listen, we're going to this um, this bar, Carlos and Charlie's, which was like the main like late night bar that people would be going to if you want to come along and that he had gone with them to the bar. So she then, again, Beth, did not come to play. So she gets this description of the boy, okay. goes to the hotel staff, because this is a small island as well. Yeah. It's a smallish island, small community. She's like, look, this is the guy I'm looking for. He's a Dutch boy. I need to find out who this guy is. Somebody then obviously recognises him, and they tell her that his name is Joran van der Sloot. Were they correct? Is that his name? They were correct. I know it is funny, isn't it? Van der Sleuth, you know, Sleuth, Sleuth detective, detective. It's a bit eerie. Also, yeah. have you ever heard anything that sounds more innocent than little Dutch boy? <laughs> like, little Joran. Yeah. Oh, wait, uh, wait till I tell you about this prick. Oh, God. Oh, go on. He's so gross. But anyway, a local businessman. So this is all, you know, happening. It's late at night. A local businessman got in touch with them as well, heard that they were on the island. Uh, his name was Charles and he said, look, I'll help you in locating like this young man and informing the police, etc. So the following morning, uh, Charles found out where this boy lived. It, it did not take long because he was very well known on the island. And th- he accompanied Beth to, ta- to the police station where they said, listen, we're just going to go and talk to this kid. Now, the police's attitude at this stage, which obviously would be incredibly frustrating to a parent, but their attitude was... It hasn't been 48 hours. They so always this do just, this. Yeah. It's every time. Bullshit. And it's the most important time. Yeah. And that's what I don't understand. Losing all the evidence, just sitting back, 
you know, being like, no, 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 wait, wait till we find a body. Let's wait yeah. till we find a so body. So they said, basically, they were like, okay, look, we'll accompany you to the Uran's house, but like, he's not under investigation because, the, you know, she's not officially missing yet. May I? They so went to the house. Oh, with, so, I mean, yeah. Is he so frustrating? Is he the same age as her, or is there an age difference? Is he is he as young? He as her, is actually is he no. He's so he's actually seventeen. Okay. So he's basically the same age. Okay. Yeah, I was just, just wondering a little bit younger, like mid twenties, living at home. Like no, fish, really, you? really good question. Yeah, no, that's actually. And you know what? I hadn't. I actually hadn't even written it in here. So thank you so much for asking me because otherwise I, I wouldn't have said it. And actually, it does become important. So he was seventeen. And so you, so basically, they rock up to Joran's home to find only his parents there. So it turns out that Joran has a lot of freedom for a seventeen-year-old. So he has what is basically an apartment in his back garden, and he is free to come and go as his plea as he pleases. His parents again are incredibly wealthy. Turns out his dad is training to be a judge. Uh, so he's held in very high regard in the community. And Beth would later comment that the dad appeared extremely nervous and agitated when Beth introduced herself and explained she was there in connection with her daughter, Natalie. So a bit of a red flag. She said he was really nervous, like sweating, shaking. So he, he knew was, his little Dutch boy was up to no good and that, that he was a bit of a psycho. I think. Well, he, like his, you know, I would totally take Beth's word on that. Like she was like really shook by, he was quite shook when she said who he was. So uh, basically Joran Gats gets home with his friend Deepak. So Deepak and his brother Satish will become important. So uh, Deepak, Satish and Joran are kind of like this little trio. So Deepak and Satish are brothers. They hang out with Joran all the time. They rock up to the house driving a silver Honda. So straight away, Beth is like, this is huge because I was told silver Honda and here they are. So Joran walks in, sees Beth there with the parents and obviously Jug is there. They're support, you know, the, the couple of friends are there. Um, a police officer is there. So, you know, it's 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 a serious kind of situation. Does he, comes does in, he shit his pants or is he... Cool as a no, wait till you hear this. What he is just this guy is a ticket, I'll oh. say that much. So he comes in, denies ever meeting Natalie, which of course Beth knows isn't true because she has CCTV footage of the casino. Yeah, so halfway through the conversation, he changed his story, like when she's like, Well, no, because we have footage of you meeting Natalie. Gotcha. So. And also people have told me you left the bar with her and in a silver Honda. And so daddy, has a, daddy has a weird look on his face. He knows you're up to something. Daddy is sweating. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, <laughs> daddy is literally sweating. Daddy I know it's a rumor. Yeah, he's, he's concerned. So halfway through the conversation, uh, he changes the story and says, yeah, actually, I do know her. And this is what's so weird about this. So you're sitting in front of a woman who, no, it, it's intense. Like she wants to know where her daughter is, but like you have to remember her daughter is missing. Weirdly, he doesn't demonstrate any sympathy to Beth. Doesn't say, you know, you know, I'm sorry, I wish I could help you, anything like that. Instead, he starts telling, uh, telling Beth that Natalie had been very drunk and performed oral sex on him the night before. No. Yeah. And then at one point made a weird joke that Beth was, quote, like Hitler. 
at one point in the conversation was like, you're actually a bit of a Hitler. So at this stage, uh, so he also said that he, Deepak, and Deepak's brother Satish had dropped her to the Holiday Inn and a security guard had helped Natalie into the room because she'd been so intoxicated. Now, Joke and his friends were getting... helped her in. I'd say they did more than help her in. I'd say they helped themselves to a little... But yeah, well, this is it. And Jilk and his friends were getting really frustrated at this stage. And they actually started kind of, they did start cursing and getting, I guess, a bit, I wouldn't say aggressive, but frustrated with the situation. Fair enough, because he's talking about her giving him a, I know we're talking about it again, it's so wrong and it's it just says so much about his character and the parents are just sitting there letting this happen. So at this stage, Joke and the friends start losing their cool and so much so that Joran's dad actually had to intervene. And then after that, so, you know, when people, you know, when I guess when the, when people have kind of calmed down a bit, Joran says, do you know what? Look, I'll go back to the hotel with you and I'll point out the guard who helped Natalie into the hotel. So they had said, we dropped her off and this guard helped her in. Shakar, they go to the hotel. Joran's like, no, I can't see the guard anywhere. And again, like his description is so vague. It doesn't seem to match with anyone who worked in the hotel. He actually got the colour of the uniform wrong. So people were like, no, this this kind of isn't, isn't ringing true. So at this stage, Beth did the only thing she knew to do in the, at that point like Natalie still is not officially missing. Yeah. She went to the media. So this would become her, I guess it was kind of her greatest asset, but also maybe became a bit of a downfall as well right. because she viewed the media as her only weapon. But what did end up happening was the way she used the media, which I think is totally understandable given the circumstances, but the Aruban community did not necessarily appreciate some of the statements made in the media about the island some of the things that were said it it kind of maybe maybe caused a bit of a rift between her certainly between herself and local police as the case went on so kind of bitter in the arc because she was a bit traumatized and a bit too honest about like how she felt she she wasn't really thinking PR she was thinking like daughter but she just wanted to find her daughter yeah and like, it's completely understandable. So she went to the meeting, she was like, my daughter is missing. And this, of course, kind of expediated the process of the police getting involved because this is a tourist community. It's the start of the summer. They don't want people thinking that they don't give a shit about a girl who goes missing. So it did definitely speed up the process. So on the 5th of June, two hotel security guards were taken into custody. But Beth was convinced that this was a cover up on the part of the police, that they had arrested the wrong people on purpose. She presumed that the police were trying to get Joran off the hook, given his father's connections to local judiciary and local government. So she wasn't buying this. She was like, nothing we have learned points to security guards there's three lads that she was last seen with there's one of them in particular is definitely very dodgy Um, as a person sorry but like the convenient just hand washing of natalie when they got to the hotel like it's just it's all too convenient too easy. So yeah. So Beth continues to use TV appearances, TV appearances to keep attentions on her daughter daughter's case, saying she and her team had identified suspects and basically given the Arubans these suspects on a silver platter, and that the Arubans were doing nothing about it. So she was not happy with this arrest at all. Obviously, these two men 
were released without charge. Well, I shouldn't say obviously, but, you know, Beth was not surprised when they were released without charge. Um, I guess one thing to note as well is like, to be fair to the island itself, it was actually very concerned with solving Natalie's case. Okay. So the Prime Minister actually gave, which is kind of unbelievable when you think about it. So the Prime Minister actually gave anyone working in local government a whole day off to search for Natalie. So if you were working local government in Aruba, which was a lot of people, you got the day off and they were saying, okay, now everyone has to go and try to find this girl. So they definitely, like the, the local community were not in any way complacent here. They what were if, taking it very seriously. They just didn't bother looking for her. They just, well, you know. Yeah, it's, it's, you just wouldn't know. They, you just wouldn't know, but I. I'm, I'm just looking at it with. As it. in the end, as in the end up, as in the end up, like kind of you know sunbathing instead of looking yeah. for. Yeah, because like who has to clock in? You've just been given a day off. You know, you could be doing anything. That's just well, yeah. This is it. I but I do think I do think there was genuine goodwill on the island behind finding her. I mean, the police came yeah. in for a lot of criticism. Uh, like they weren't really used to dealing with these kind of cases either to be fair but like certainly on the island because as well you have to remember like an entire industry like people's lives depended on tourism so they needed to solve this so people will come back on their holidays their like it was you know there was a, in the right place yeah yeah okay. yeah so um t- so again you know the the island was very involved um, but 10 days after Natalie disappeared, Yoran, Deepak and Satish are finally arrested. At this point, Yoran has a new story oh. saying he had left Natalie at the fisherman's huts at the beach and had walked home. The brothers also stuck to the exact same stories. There was no deviation. We left her on the beach. She was very drunk. And then basically the, the brothers drove home and Yoran walked home. This was his new like, story. How is he not in the cell already at this point being just like interrogated yeah. of his life? Like he's 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 just destroying things for himself. He's burning bridges yeah. everywhere, making up this bullshit. Um, and you know what is you know what is interesting it's it's like legally speaking i think this case is very interesting because i wouldn't know much about the dutch legal system but you would think to yourself this guy is lying through his hole mm. like what the hell is going on here but i mean i guess the, it boils down to evidence do you know what so I'm, he was conco- sorry but it's a little bit kind of cheeky and entitled of him nearly the way that he's not even bothering to lie very well because he knows daddy's gonna get him out of it well, actually, that's very, very true. Yeah, it's he's almost he's almost playing games with them, isn't exactly. he? Like it, it all yes, yeah. like he's that it crazy. Def- it definitely seems like, and certainly based on what's to come, he does seem a little bit sociopathic and seems to get his enjoyment out of playing these kind of games with people. Um, and yeah, like just totally taking the piss. But I guess he was concocting these stories and the problem the police had was they had nothing to go on. There was no physical evidence whatsoever. So, you know, it was it was tough for them to actually pin something on him because they just had nothing to back these stories up. But because Aruba does, obviously it's connected to the Netherlands, it does follow, it's part of the kingdom of the Netherlands. It follows the Dutch legal system. 
So it doesn't actually offer plea bargains. So in other words, they couldn't entice any of the trio with basically snitching on the other to get a lesser sentence, which actually in this, you know, I'm not saying necessarily they're good things because they're not always the most reliable. Sometimes. They can work. In this instance, like it might have worked. So within a couple of days, Deepak and Satish were released without charge. They said at this point that they weren't charging the brothers or Yoran at this stage. But weirdly, they said that they were going to keep Yoran for another 60 days. They're like, we're not charging at this point. We're just going to keep him. Beth was raging and called a press conference saying that the police had released two men, the brothers, who well, young men, who had hurt her daughter. Mm-hmm. At this point, the Arubans felt the whole community was being attacked, that their social and criminal justice system was being criticised. Beth apologised, but at that stage, the damage was done because the island were really feeling that Beth and the Americans, because at this stage, of course, the FBI are involved. Like yeah. They were very well connected with local government in Alabama. So the FBI actually flew out fairly quickly. But they were just feeling like the Americans were interfering with their system, that they were disrespecting their system as well. And actually, th- there were comments made and one, one now, I, I can't remember who he was, but one local politician did say in an interview, you know, it's a bit much coming out here saying that we can't find missing people and criticising our system. I mean, whatever happened to John Benet Ramsey? Oh. So that was one example sure. that he used. <laughs> And this is a mad fact, actually, but in case I forget to mention it. Later on, years later, Beth, Natalie's mother, would actually date no. John Bonet's dad. No. Yeah, because they met at a conference. Well, it makes sense, I guess, when you think about it. They met yeah, at a okay. conference for missing children. And they had, I mean, I don't think they were dating for long, but they actually did end up having a relationship. <gasps> now that yeah, is that's a bit just, nuts, that's isn't it? it? Yeah, it's well, it's just like a random sidebar there in case I forget to mention it. No, so, thank you. I enjoyed that. Um, <laughs> you're very welcome. So Deepak and Satish were then rearrested August 26th, but they were arrested not for what you'd think. They were arrested for uh, for being accessories to sex without consent. So in Yoran's statement, he had admitted that Natty had performed oral sex on him, but people presumed like what they were doing was they were trying to scare the lads by charging them with something. So they were like, look, obviously Natty was intoxicated. He admitted getting oral sex from her. Therefore, like that is a crime. We were also actually accessories to that. So you know, it was probably a bit of a scare tactic on the police's part. This week's episode is brought to you by a brand new podcast, What Do You Want to Know? What Do You Want to Know takes your curiosity as its inspiration. Every episode features an expert answering questions posed by you about specific topics. They'll talk about everything from how sign language works to whether viruses are alive to what a 5G network really is. You can also suggest topics for future episodes so you could finally get the answers to what you want to know. I've already forwarded my picklers. Like, why didn't Mark Tinder text me back in 2009? What does the T stand for in BLT? Where is the button to turn my fog lights on? Listen to What Do You Want to Know to find out the answers to these and other mysteries of the universe. By September 1st, the brothers were released again. And two days later, Yoran was also released. Around this time, Beth is getting less media coverage because Hurricane Katrina had happened. Uh, And obviously, that was the big media story of the moment. 
Joran eventually leaves Aruba and goes to college in the Netherlands, where in February 2006, so, you know, maybe six, seven months later. Enough, not a bother on him. Over to the bloody Netherlands. Not a bother. Over to the Netherlands, he so in New so he then flew to New York. He had the audacity to do this. February two thousand and six, he flew to New York, does an interview with Dateline. Yeah, repeats the story that he had left Natalie on I'm the beach. Straight to watch this thing as soon as we're finished. Yeah, talking, by the way, I, he's so gross. He's such a little creep. He's a really arrogant, really entitled. What he was um, like? Oh yeah, she sucked my dick, and it was uh, like she was so drunk. Like, was he like that? He was it wasn't that graphic, but the thing with the dateline was the interview in itself was not that incriminating because he very much stuck to stories like I don't know what happened well I can't do can you do and don't you can do Dutch very well. I don't know what happened. No, I can't, I can't. That was terrible. I don't know what happened. So he was like, No, don't know what happened, but I left her on the beach. So the interview was not incriminating, but what really frustrated obviously Natalie's family was the fact that obviously the TV show had paid for him to go to New York. He openly admitted and told friends he only did it to have a little holiday. Um, really didn't give a shit and was also telling them nothing new. So it was just it's very a rude complete nightmare. and it's very bad manners. Yeah, it's not nice. It's just it's just an asshole. Basically, Bit of a so fingers up to the whole thing, you know. Oh, 100%. And also, he seemed to really take issue with Beth because he felt Beth had come down hard on him that yeah. first day. And that obviously yeah. she didn't come back to media appearances. She was like, I want these young men in jail. So he almost viewed this as kind of a cat and mouse game. And it's quite disturbing, actually, as it goes on. But he he particularly enjoyed messing with poor Beth's head and I mean I think given what she had gone through is really fucked Uh, so late 2007 Yoran and the two brothers were re-arrested on suspicion of manslaughter the prosecution Aruba said that they had new evidence of a violent death but of course it turned out that this was not the case that they had been bluffing they hoped to get something out of the lads this time round didn't get anything out of them. And a judge said, okay, like you have to release them. You can't just arrest them for manslaughter when you have no evidence yeah. whatsoever. And really, really sad. December 18th, 2007, so the week before Christmas, Aruba, which is I think is insane. To, within only two years, they did this. Aruba declared the case officially closed. What? They basically said there's no evidence. There's nothing we can do. We can we have no leads. No. This is closed. Yeah, we're we're not investigating ah, no. this That's anymore. That's lazy, Aruba. Yeah. You need to you know cop on. Yeah, really bad. Uh, but so then what happened was, which I think kind of like. If Yoren had had any sense, he might have just kept his gob shut. Nobody couldn't. And said, he's such a you know, little, you know he's so an artist. Yeah. He's a narcissist. So instead of keeping his gob shut, he now obviously views this as a green light to do what he wants, basically. So on, so in January 2008, Joran does an interview with the Dutch TV presenter. This Dutch TV presenter, unbeknownst to Joran, had actually spent months infiltrating Joran's friend group in the Netherlands, in Amsterdam, and has actual footage, so secret footage, of Joran describing Natalie's death, saying, wait for it, 
This is what he said in conversation, like, you know, in this bar in Amsterdam oh, with I'd, the friend. I'd say it's poison. Well, he said, so it's a new story again, that he had been having sex with Natalie when she had had a seizure and died. He claimed that he had panicked and called a friend on a boat to come and dispose of her body. Mm, why would Natalie have had a seizure when she's an 18-year-old woman who's just a bit drunk? Well, yeah, now I did actually look up a bit on this. You can technically have a seizure with if, if you over-consume alcohol, but I mean, I don't know. Like, I've never actually encountered it myself, I to be honest. I thankfully haven't. And like, you know, normally it's just somebody would maybe at that age get sick or piss themselves it normally doesn't yeah. end in it's unusual it's not something you and I know would have had a fair few bevies down through the years it's Absolutely. not something either of us have ever no, I mean of. I mean you might have um done something a little bit a little out of character and a little bit uh dodge and you might want to kind of flee the country the next day but like yeah. you'd rather you'd rather that than um you know basically seizing up and dying Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's not it's 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 it doesn't really carry the ring of truth. But so then that February, obviously the following month, the Rubens are like, well, we need to reopen the case. You sure do. But once again, once again, in the absence of concrete evidence, interest in the case completely fades. They have no leads, nothing to go on, and it's just a dead end. So the following year, two thousand and eight, Euron's lust for media comes to the surface again. Oh, he's a real so, hard on for the old attention doesn't he unbelievable so basically what now this just shows what an absolute prick he is so when beth was trying to really kind of get the media attention on her daughter there was one show um which uh it was on fox and there was this tv tv presenter called greta van susteren susteren i think is how you say it so she had this tv show on fox and beth had done the show quite a few times built up a bit of a rapport with her, you know, she was just somebody she could call upon to kind of get a bit of media uh, coverage for her daughter. Of course, Yoran in 2008 decides, yeah, do you know what? I'm going to go on that show to tell the world what happened to Natalie. In other words, this was total vengeance mm. on his part. The fact that he picked this TV presenter, like yeah. seriously. I'm going to show her so, that like I yeah. can twist her opinion it's, over to the fact that I'm in so, yeah, it's so awful. So Joran told Greta that not only was Natalie alive when he last saw her. Now, this is just unbelievable. So he tells Greta in this interview, wait for it. Okay, ready. That he had, like, literally to say every parent's worst nightmare, understatement of the century, okay. that he had trafficked Natalie into sex slavery. But a few days later, Joran calls Greta telling her he had made up the whole story. Okay, what the hell do we think about this? He's I think he's too young to have been in this biz. Well, I mean there's like there there was a I suppose now he is very young, but one thing that did come to light after the fact there was this guy called Mr. Pink working on the island. Cool. And what he did was he like he just seems to be a complete creep. He did he he basically made porn movies on Aruba he was from Florida and a lot of these porn movies I mean it was you know really it's like just really exploitative stuff it's was he waiting to that shit face then taking the video camera out exactly so like these you know American young American girls on vacation getting absolutely shit faced and taking advantage of like 
the devil, really. He's awful. So he has this website, and now that but what they did try to do was they tried to establish some connection between Yoran and Mr. Pink, but they couldn't. Okay. So, like, this guy was, like, a bit of a creep. It was now, it was confirmed that Yoren had visited. So that night he had actually visited a couple of porn sites that were ran by Mr. Pink in the early hours of Natalie disappearing. So that was uncovered on his phone that he had visited, like, these porn sites. That's a bit strange. But in saying that, well, I mean, it's... It's it's strange. It's a little bit dodgy, but I guess like he could say, "Well, I just visited those porn sites." Like there was no communication via the porn it's sites. It's even more chilling that, like you know, he'd let's say had his way with poor Natalie, done all that, murdered her. If we think that's what he did, which I kind of think he sounds like the kind of psycho that would do that, and yeah. then he goes off and has a few more jostles with himself to porn. Well, well, at this stage, remember, she had been last seen at half one in the morning. So it, this was now, I, I forget, I don't know if I got a time for when he visited the porn sites, but they definitely said like the early hours of the morning. I just feel a little so, bit like, have, have a smidgen of a heart there and put the put the dick away there for a minute. Well, you see, I mean, it, it is chilling, but I guess one of the things that did come to light after the fact, so these boys... And they weren't alone in this. There was another couple of guys involved. They would have like rent out these hotel rooms for three days and bring, they would basically, they were basically predators and they would go to this bar, Carlos and Charlie's, pick out really drunk girls and bring them to these sex parties and they would film them as well. So like these three young men were completely gross um, they were just despicable, despicable, despicable. People. I have had another idea here. What do you another think? Idea. I think that what they did was they would wait until the girls would get really, really drunk. But then I think, I think, I think they plied them with drugs, and that maybe, maybe Natalie accidental overdose, and then oh. it was panic stations. Do you know what I'm saying? Well, that do you know what that could that could very well have been. It sounds like something that happened. Lads, if they're staying somewhere for like four days on the trot, fucking boozing, drinking, yeah, there's going to be drugs involved. And there's no, you're right. Like they're probably, I would say, one hundred percent drugs involved, and also. Um, there ha no, like I mean, for young men to be this depraved, it it just, as you say, it's very chilling. I think accidental overdose, like it could very well be something like that, like for sure. Um, but it's 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 kind of sickening to think that men of such a young age are so sexually motivated in such a depraved yeah. way. Like um, but but they did they did try to establish a link to this guy, Mister Pink. They couldn't establish anything. I wonder if and, we're getting it from though, Julie. Like if if it was such a mentality that like oh he says it's fine and he says it's fine, so we're all just going to behave like that then because it's grand. And, and also like it, it's clear Yoran had no boundaries whatsoever. No. Like that the parents were like whatever you want to do, go for it. So. It's, you know, it probably was that thing as well that he felt he was just untouchable yeah. in terms of the law. Dad was such a big dog on the island. Yeah. Uh, but so almost five years after her disappearance, so like 2010, Beth's lawyer gets a call. So it's Yoran. So Yoran rings Beth's lawyer and he says, now that his own father is dead, so his dad has since passed away, he Sorry. says he's now happy. 
to say where Natalie's body is. He says he wants money in exchange for this, so $200,000. Beth contacts the FBI straight away and they encourage her to make this deal, telling him that they will give him $25,000 as a retainer and the rest when they find Natalie's body. So obviously, you know, this screams extortion. It's Would you really put this guy after all he's put you through? But at the same time, I guess if you're in that situation, you just want to cling to any thread of hope. And if there's any possibility he is going to tell you the I truth, know. you probably won't be like, okay, well, I'm willing to pay it if but you're going to tell me the it's truth. It's just such a mental thing to do on his part. It just makes you be like, you know, he thinks he's so clever, but actually everybody's just looking on being like, you are demented. I know. Like, I how, mean, how yeah. is he making the phone call? Be like, is he off his head? Like, it's just not. Yeah, you would, you would definitely think he definitely thinks that he's super intelligent, yeah. which he clearly is not, because anyone in his position would realize that the FBI are just setting him up here. That, like, obviously, whatever way this goes, they're going to do him for extortion, but they just want to get the information first. But obviously, you're on as we've established, is, you know, he's not as clever as he thinks he is. So he's like, great. With his like 200 and something grand, like, you know, surely he knows that the jig's going to be up pretty soon and he's going to be in the slammer. Well, he doesn't. I I really think with this situation, because he was kind of up to no good in Amsterdam as well. Like there there was a bit of... You know, there was a bit of seediness to his bar work and, you know, there was a lot of talk of, you know, again, like he had this really macabre fascination with, well, I shouldn't judge people who are into porn, but he, you know, was he was quite into like getting, like he would say to girls who worked in in, in this um, bar in Amsterdam and he also actually spent some time in Thailand ah, as well. There yes. we go. So there we go. all the hot spots. I don't so when judging he, that either, but you know when you, you know, somebody spends no. a large yeah. portion of the year in Thailand. Well, it's like, it's like the dads who go off to Thailand yeah. for the golfing holiday and they've not a golf club between them. And you're like, this is gross. like, you know, oh, I'd love learning learning to cook over there and it's like you do in your home I like yeah and you're yeah you're not I'm doing I'm doing it I'm doing a Thai cooking course you're like no I but yeah so he did work for a while over there in uh, I think I think it was Bangkok and again in those bars there was a lot of talk of him trying to like you know supposedly like lure certainly in Bangkok lure women into like really well paid dance work in Amsterdam. So we all know what that means. We all so know. he was just hand me a little ping pong balls, Julie. I know exactly what you're Exactly. So he was you know, he was he was a dodgy fuck basically. Yeah. So the lawyer, Beth's lawyer flew so she he flies to Ruba to meet Joran, where the lawyer is told another story. So Joran now says that Natalie had gotten kind of clingy on him so basically that he had said that he was heading home Natalie was like no stay no stay he got annoyed and had pushed her off him with her head hitting a rock and her subsequently dying the lawyer it's I mean it's just crazy so he then said that he rang his dad in a panic and was like I'm after accidentally killing this girl that his dad had driven out picked him up and had buried this poor girl at this address so basically had buried 
they, there was like this a house in, under construction and that they had buried her body there together, the father and the son. Sorry, there often seems to be a convenient patch where the cement hasn't been poured yet or that these yeah. workers know about, doesn't there? Yeah, well, it turns out that this is also bullshit, this story. So the, the lawyer goes to the address in question, but again... Like, it didn't happen. There's nobody. Turns out he gets the plans for the building. The building was not in construction. It was just basically like this derelict site at the time. There's nobody. It's all bullshit again. So days later, yeah. So days later, Joran emails him as if he hadn't copped already, but just to rub it in that the story he had told him is all lies. Lovely. Yeah. So obviously the FBI are like, we got to come after this guy for extortion. But in the interim, so in June of that year, 2010, a hotel in Lima, Peru. uh, So in a hotel in Lima, Peru, the receptionist in the hotel goes looking for a guest who's behind on his bills. And this guest is a Dutch male. It's Paddington Bear. (laughs) Not quite. No. It's, it's fecking Joran van der Sloot. Uh. So she goes to his room, knocks on the door, there's no answer. She uses her master key to enter the room and what she sees is absolute carnage. So the TV is on full blast. The sheets and like the furniture are just strewn all over the room. She looks down on the floor and she sees a battered, blood-stained female body. <gasps> So looking at her face, she recognises this poor girl as Stephanie Flores, who had been reported missing in Lima. And Stephanie was somebody from a really, again, a wealthy family in Lima. So the police, you know, you don't want to cast dispersions on Lima police, but when she went missing, they were on it. She was reported missing the very day so it's the 5th of June. It was five years to the day exactly that Natalie Holloway had gone missing. So he's marking the anniversary with another killing. Well, it's it's a bit of a coincidence, mm. isn't it? So in every so in an eerie echo of Natalie's case, police found footage of Joran at a casino with Stephanie and leaving with her. The police, obviously armed with this information, start a huge manhunt with immediate effect. He is arrested 10 days later in Chile and extradited back to Peru. Joran confesses straight away, so this actually is markedly different to Natalie's case. Straight away, he confesses to beating Stephanie to death. He says, I met her, I brought her back to the room and I beat her to death. Like he's just very open with what happened. Yeah. Beth sees this as an opportunity for to finally get the truth about her own daughter, flies to Peru, meets with Joran and asks one more time for the truth. Does he give it to her? No. Of course he doesn't. So you can read this either, uh, I suppose, in two ways. Either he genuinely had nothing to do with Natalie's disappearance and all these my all these sick mind games are stemming from his injured ego at being accused of something that he had no hand in, or he is just a psychopath who did kill Natalie, and because Beth rubbed him up the wrong way, is refusing to give her family the same closure that he's giving the Flores family. Do you know what I will say? It's an awful pity. That his that his dad croaked it. Yes, well, you, do you know what? Like the dad, you'd like, but then you see the dad. I mean, 
if he was a man of any character whatsoever, of any decency, like clearly his knew he knew his son was a bad egg. I know. Like especially with everything that was going on with the, you know, like it was very obviously it was it did come out in the investigation like these sex parties. Yeah. You know, I mean, the I suppose porn is porn, but like certainly, like you know, he was not living a good life. I just, I think, and the fact that the dad never said, "Look, I need to step in here," and maybe this, I'm partly to blame for this because I have let him get away with so much for so long. But like, like he was involved in this. I know, like that, the dad was much better. And no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I know that the reason that he didn't really have to answer any questions about his prick of a son was because he was such a person of substance, pillar of the community yes. kind of guy, character. But I think that had the FBI got their little maulers on him and really put him through the well, finger, yeah. away from the village or the city and just put it to him. I know what you mean, because he was a big fish in a small yeah, pond. It was, it so was like, where he was. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And like, again, yeah, no, it's, it's, and obviously he couldn't substantiate like your end story about the dad's involvement conveniently came out after his dad's death. Although I will say it would explain why the dad was so nervous when Beth rocked up the house. Like, had... It do- yeah. they got him in the right surroundings where that all fell away about who he was and you know people weren't looking after him and kind of you know letting him up, letting the family away with stuff maybe they could yeah. break the surface because a little he, bit because he was never interrogated the dad no. because there was nothing to link him to the crime so then when Yoran said like the only indication would be like his behaviour when Beth was in the house and then Yoran saying, oh, yeah, like my dad helped me. And like the, what I will say is it, it's not beyond the realm of possibility. By the sounds of it, this was a really spoiled teenager that if he did call his dad to help him do something, it kind of sounds like the dad would have helped him. It completely does. I think that that one about um, the dad coming and helping him take the body, whether it was the head on the rock thing, I don't believe that. But however she died, I think he might, I don't know. There, There is there, there is kind of a degree, if something has the ring of truth, it does have the ring of truth about it, doesn't it? It does a little bit, just the dad was so shifty and, but. I mean, and the fact that the dad is sitting there while this, this young man is telling this girl's mother, yeah, you know, she gave me a blowjob. And um, like the fact that he doesn't jump in and smack him across I the know. face and say, cop the fuck on. Like that Apologize tells you. For his. Yeah. Yeah. No. His spawn. Oh, and then isn't it just. So it's, it's, it's pretty. Yeah. It's, it's pretty mad. It's very mad. And it's so gripping. And I'm dying to read, to watch the dateline. I want to see all the characters, you know. Oh, and you know what? He looks like, he just looks like one of those kids you look at when you're like, you little prick. Like he just, it's just gross. So in 2012, he was sentenced to, so Yoran is in Peru. He was sentenced to 28 years of prison in Peru, which does give me some glee because I imagine prison in Peru is probably very different from prison in Aruba, especially when your dad is a judge. Yeah, and they only... No, sorry. I was going to make another fucking Paddington joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Go 
on, go yeah, for marmalade sandwich with Julie. Marmalade sandwich. Do you know what? That is my only pregnancy craving. Really? I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, marmalade. Do you think I could be giving birth to Paddington oh, Bear? Oh, I mean, I hope it's Paddington and not Johan. So cute. <laughs> oh, well, Jesus, bloody Johan. No, I, I hope it does. It, at least he's. At least he's in prison in Peru, and then of course when he's when he is released from Peru, uh, he is which will be t- two thousand and thirty if all goes according to plan. He is due to be extradited to Arkansas for extortion charges on like on his release. Well, so Beth has since said that she's relieved to see Joran behind bars, but obviously will never have justice until she knows what happened to Natalie. And in so Beth's ex-husband Dave in 2015. So just on a final note, he hired a private investigator, and sadly, like in the interim period, like. Uh, Natalie's stepfather has since died and so Dave got involved hired a private investigator went to Ruby to see could he come up with any new leads and an Oxygen TV crew went with this team to Ruba. And in a shocking event, a shocking twist, they claim to have found human bone fragments. Okay. So Beth provides DNA and she's told that the results, which is just so, this is so bizarre. She's told, listen, just, you know, we'll read the results out on the show. That's how we're going to tell you if this is a match for your daughter. Yeah. Like, you know, all that absorption stuff and it's like, it's all just too... Too wrong. It's so wrong. It's awful. So she tunes in. It's a series. It's a six-parter. A man on the show, like there's no trigger warning for Beth. So she's watching this with the rest of America. A man on the show claims to be a close friend of Yoran's and he says that Natalie had been drugged, sexually assaulted and killed and that he had helped dispose of her body. So he takes the team to this area where he claims. Now, interestingly, he claims that he buried the body with Yoran uh, beside, it was kind of, oh, sorry, they burned the body beside, like, not too far from where where Yoran had said that he had buried the body with his dad. So he, that he, he had burned the body in kind of, again, one of these, like, kind of homes under construction. See, again, why is that the one we're the most drawn to it being true? Well, you see, this is the thing. So they found bone fragments and they were like, brilliant. So this guy's saying, this is where it happened. We have bone bone fragments. We're good to go. And uh, so it's a six-part series. And over the course of the six-part series, they never reveal the DNA results. What? No, never. So Beth has watched all this for nothing. So imagine sitting there watching this guy talking about your daughter oh, being drugged and sexually assaulted. And there's no there's no answer at the end. And in a blog post, Oxygen, who make a load of true crime documentaries, like, you know, like they're not like a small company. Yeah. They admit that they, the DNA didn't match and wait for it, that the bone fragments were not even human. Oh, they were animal bone fragments. So in other words, they had found nothing at this site to corroborate this guy's story. What? Nothing. What a yeah. Beth blow for Beth. Awful. Again, so again and again and again. Poor Beth. Isn't it just, I mean, it's too much for one person. Yeah. Like she subsequently sued Oxygen, claiming the show knew from the start that they would not find out what had happened to Natalie, saying that the show, quote, and this really breaks my heart, this quote, completely and utterly destroyed me. Mm. 
So that this was kind of the breaking point for Beth. And obviously she's worked so hard to keep her daughter's name out there in the media. And she was like, this is just, and she had used the media. She had used it to great effect. Okay, at times maybe it did get her into trouble with the Arubans. But the fact that now the media was doing this to her, she was like, this is just beyond the beyond. So Beth's case against Oxygen, hopefully she's suing for 30 million. I hope she gets every penny is due to go on trial at some stage later this year. So nearly 15 years have passed since Natalie has disappeared in Aruba. But Beth and Dave still hold out hope that one day they might finally find out what happened to their daughter, Natalie. And that is the case of the disappearance of Natalie Holloway. Wow, Julie, that was a very good one. Isn't it, but isn't it just an awful, awful story? What do you, on a, on a final note, I know you're not here to solve the cases, but what would you think is the most likely thing that happened? Um, What what she said earlier, are you still no, sticking no, to No, listen, I don't know Aruba. Like, I don't know what the landscape, like, what, what, the play, what the landscape is like or what the place is like. I don't know it at all. So, therefore, I'm reluctant to say whether or not like I just think it's strange that there was no body I know people go missing all the time and everything but it's been been so long like nobody's nobody's spotted I know when something goes out of the media and you know its profile kind of fades people are less likely to be looking for this face in like different countries and that kind of thing but I am wondering if there is anything to the sex trafficking thing well, I mean, it's not like it's certainly an area of the world that sex trafficking happens and happens easily. So in that interview, he had said that she had been sex trafficked to Venezuela. And like, God help us, we're all praying that's not what happened to the poor girl. But ultimately, um, Julie, I think that, that he's he's dangerous and I think he's... He is dangerous, but I wonder at 17, would he have had the wherewithal to actually get involved in something like a sex trafficking? No. I mean, maybe he would have. I don't know. But I think you kind of pointed to that, like, at 17, would you even have the mechanisms to do that? Yeah, no, I know. would you even be thinking that broad? I do agree. And I'm going to take that back and... I'm just thinking, but but it's, it was my initial when I first yeah. encountered this story because of the geographical location. I initially thought that I think that he, I think that like I think he's he's not a nice person, and I think that something went wrong that night. I don't know whether he actually went out to kill her, but like I think she she did die. And the fact that like he he's so depraved and everybody around him is so depraved that's creating this yeah. toxic kind of like way of thought that seems totally normal for all of them. So like, yeah. he's really getting away yeah, he's, with murder. He was all the yeah, he he was surrounded with a lot of facilitators. Mm. I like there there was I mean I suppose one thing I didn't I didn't get into, but there was a guy uh, who claimed, he was friendly you know it was a small enough community so like you know a lot of people were friendly-ish with each other but he certainly was friendly with Yoran and co and he was a DJ and he actually I'll see can I find his name here he had uh, he had um, so he had claimed that he had been working he was like a DJ on um, a boat like this kind of party boat and he claimed that the night that, that Natalie had gone missing he'd been working on the uh, working on this boat 
and that he had uh, slept on the boat and the boss came along and said, no, you weren't working um, on that party boat that night because the party boat wasn't happening that night. And one of the one of the many stories that Joran had was that she had accidentally died and he had called a friend and that he had come and disposed of her body in the boat. And a lot of people Um, uh, in Aruba do think because because this is not a big island and there has yeah. been no physical evidence found in the island itself that's what I'm that like her, her body was disposed at sea that's what a lot of people think because yeah it's just a really long DJ time. Diablo was his name DJ Diablo I'm just taking this down because I'm going to dissect further after but I but I think I think you know you would nearly I mean you would nearly say, is that the most obvious thing that happened? That they just, something happened. So, I mean, I definitely think they were in predatorial mode that night, these boys, and they had nothing good on their mind. So I think they definitely had some kind of crime on their mind, uh, probably sexually motivated. Something happened, and it does kind of make sense that... The reason we have uh, have had absolutely no clues whatsoever um, in relation to her body's location is because the body was brought out to sea. Yeah. And the only way to do that is a boat. Yeah. And if your man was around and available and he wasn't at work, then it does it does kind of make sense. And the fact that he's lying and saying, oh, yeah, I was I was in the boat. Now, he wasn't. He had said that, and another thing he lied about this guy, he said that he hadn't been in this bar, um, Carlos and Charlie's, and the staff were like, no, he was here. He was just here very early in the night, like maybe half past 10. So before these other guys arrived, but he was again trying to distance himself from, which, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that he had involvement with it, but I do definitely think, you know, I, I do think, her body being dumped at sea is probably it makes the sense. Most... But then he, he used to say he told so many stories that he's just a really and enjoy doing it. That it's yeah. the work, isn't he? And the fact that he's he's a shit. He's a real shit. And there's no bit of him that's ever felt the need to be like, oh, I feel so bad. Like you know, I know that he did it, and he's obviously a horrible person. But we we think, but like you know, like if I do something very small, I kind of feel like. I need to say it. I mean, you know, like it's that. I know. Well, I do think, I think he is, I think he's a sociopath. Mm. I think he doesn't feel empathy, but I mean, it's, and obviously it goes, yeah. And like Stephanie Flores, it goes, it's saying like, the sad thing is if they had got him on Natalie's murder, you know, Stephanie would still be here. So like, obviously that's the sad truth as well. But one thing I do take some consolation, uh, I, some co- consolation from would be the fact that he is at least in a South American prison, which I hope, I know his family have money and money talks in these places, but I really hope he's having a, a banged up abroad I hope he's prison experience. Banged left, right and centre by all the hardest criminals in that prison to be honest well I hope I hope so I mean he did murder someone who was you know her family were wealthy I'm sure they have connections and I just really hope yeah that he is just having the worst time there because he is just somebody 
That I is, hope that they know, oh, just they gives know GBs. who he is. And it's not just like, oh, it's that little Dutch fella. You know, if everybody kind of knows what people are saying about like what he did, I think they'd give him a really nasty run around in there. Well, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, he is a he is a complete shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a fascinating story. Very, very sad. But like, obviously, hopefully, hopefully, Beth and Dave, Natalie's parents, will have some closure I know. They must, at some they must stage. Be so we hope that happens. Well, Julie, how old would they be? Well, I mean, do you know what? I was looking at pictures of them. I mean, they, you know, they look in good shape. I'd say maybe early 60s. Yeah, like that's good. Late 50s. I mean, but they look, you know, sprightly and Beth is still very active Mm. at keeping, you know, her daughter's name out there. And, you know, please God, they do find some closure. Well, thank you for telling me that. Sophie, oh, thank you so much for coming on. If we're looking for you, Sophie Shanley, your Instagram is absolutely gas, by the way. I do really, really enjoy it. Sophie, what need a bit of Sophie in our lives? What's what's the Instagram again? It's um it's really complex. It's just Sophie Shanley. So my, my name. Oh, so your stage name. So- I love it. <laughs> it's such a great name though, isn't it? Well, it's like yourself, the J, the J, the R. Oh, yes, you know. A bit of you can't go wrong with a bit of alliteration, no, honestly. No. So Sophie, it's been such a pleasure. I can't wait to chat to you again. I'm Thank you so much for joining me. And I'm gonna just delve in a bit deeper into this and look at all the pictures of everybody. So I have a real image you know yes oh and thank you for reminding me Sophie you're the best I'm starting well I'm starting I'm in the middle of doing a website for Crimeland because a good few people have been on to me about photos visuals and all that kind of thing so I'm going to go back and hopefully have that done in the next couple of weeks because I think it's nice to have a visual as well that's great news because that will really help just like firm up the whole thing in a game changer yeah it's been such a pleasure I'll talk to you real soon thanks Julie this podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out Quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.